Welcome to Do I Need Therapy? Get ready to receive valuable mental health tips and enjoy open conversations about life and love and when you need to ask for help. Let's reduce the stigma. I'm your host, Dr. April Landell, your go-to therapist for today's modern day. My guest experts and I are here to inspire you along your mental health journey and remind you, you are not alone. So today on the show, we are talking to Jazz Rollinson, who is a very lovely friend of mine and author and memoir book coach. And the wonderful thing about her is that she builds memoirs and writes memoirs about stories that are of the human experience and they are beautiful and so unbelievably transparent and open and raw, but they're also full of hope full of joy and and full of life. It reminds us that we are not alone in our experiences. So join me for having a listen in with Jazz and she shares a lot about her new book as well. Stay tuned. Grace Liz 25 writes, I am grateful for the opportunity to learn more about mental health wellness from Dr. April, and I can't wait for more episodes. I will be sharing the podcast for sure. So thank you so much, Grace Liz 25. That means so much. You have no idea. I really do appreciate the kind thoughts and keep listening. I'm bringing more to you. And if you want to be a part of the family and hear your review on the air, just go to Apple Podcasts, go to the show page where you see my picture, scroll all the way down to the stars, put in your star rating and submit your written review. And perhaps your review will be picked for the shout out next week. Hey family, this is Dr. April Andell, your go-to therapist for figuring out life in today's modern day. And so glad you're tuning in because today we've got another special guest on the microphone. We have Jazz Rollinson in the house and I'm so excited because she is amazing. She's an amazing writer and book coach. I'm going to tell you all about her, but she's also from Australia. So we've got an Australian accent coming in (laughs) into this show. Jazz, can you hear me? Yes, I can. Good morning and well, good afternoon where you are. (laughs) Hey, we're so happy to have you here, Jazz. And um, let me go ahead and introduce you to to the family. Jazz is an award-nominated book coach, resilient speaker, and ghostwriter who specializes in helping mission-driven women transform their life stories into powerful memoirs that create global impact. Growing up in small country town, Jazz first fell in love with the power of literature as a young girl and would often disappear into the world of writing to escape from family violence in her home. She is a Yahoo Finance top 10 book coach and has impacted hundreds of thousands of lives through global media outlets, including ABC, New Idea, and Authority Magazine. And she's soon to star on the award-winning TV series, Adventure All-Stars, as part of her mission to end child trafficking. Above all, Jazz believes that everyone has a story with the power to inspire, impact, and change lives. Welcome to the show once again, Jazz. Thank you so much. And thank you for the lovely introduction as well. (laughs) Our pleasure, our pleasure. And just inside of the show, you know, kind of just a little bit more along the lines of getting to know you and who you are. And just to let the family know out there, Jazz and I, we are new friends. We've found each other through a lot of networking out there in the world. And we found that our commonality or our common 
goal, purpose, drive in what we do is that goal for really being outspoken about mental health, being outspoken about wellness, and really making sure that we are keeping that as a priority inside of, you know, the world's eyes. So hopefully we get to hear a little bit about your story, but, you know, just first thing, where are you from? Yeah, so I'm based in Brisbane in Australia. It's on the east coast of Australia, kind Mm -hmm. of um, probably about 10 hours north of Sydney, for anyone who knows a little bit about (laughs) main cities in Australia. And yeah, it is our autumn at the moment, but it is actually a beautiful, sunny, blue sky day. So we're very blessed where we are located. Definitely can't complain. I can't wait to make it to Australia one day. It's been like a lifelong bucket list idea. So as soon as I get down there, I'm going to look you up, you know, (laughs) whole family's going to look you up. We're going to come find you in (laughs) Brisbane. Absolutely. Yeah, for sure. Wonderful. And kind of pulling down the lines, you know, from, from how you grew up, I know that there's a big story there and what, how it led you into what you're doing today, but what inspired you just from the beginning, if, if you could explain, you know, for the family, so we can kind of get a little bit more about, you know, that deeper purpose Mm. that you are. Yeah. It's always tricky trying to condense, you know, three, three decades of (laughs) life experience. I mean, if you had talked, when people ask what inspires me, there's kind of two things I can share. If you go right back to those early foundational years, and I think you're not sure if you shared some of this in my bio earlier, but for me, I was really driven from a very young age, around 10, Mm -hmm. to make sure that one day I could give back to other women, um, you know, women and men, but particularly women who are in the same situations that I was with with my mum and my younger brother and just making sure that, yeah, I could be a voice for other women who were in these situations where they just felt so alone. They didn't feel seen or heard. They felt trapped because that's how I felt as a 10 year old. And so that was a really defining moment, just, you know, lying on my bed, journaling, thinking one day I'm going to do something to help other women who are in this situation that we're in right now um but of course that was just you know like I'm sure lots of kids have a a moment of feeling like I want to do something to you know help others one day of course that didn't happen for a long long time (laughs) um but it did inspire me to go into creating uh one of the first domestic violence memorials in our country in 2016 um Mm -hmm. which was also the first one in our city But then when I think about what inspired me to go into the work I do as a a book coach, it's interesting because it was only maybe four, maybe four years ago, three years ago, I met Selena Sue, who I know, you know, as well. Our common friend. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Very incredible US-based publicity strategist. And I was doing one of her programs. And at the time I was an author, I'd written my first book. But I was kind of thinking about going back to a you know eight to five job because I had a, a a young newborn or infant son, and it was Selena that said, "Why don't you just teach people to do what you've been kind of doing for them the last few years? You know, teaching people how to write their stories. Mm-hmm. You did this for your first book. You know, you ghost wrote." nearly everyone's story or you taught them how to write their story and edit it you you know like I worked as a magazine editor I'd worked as a content writer I'd worked as a ghostwriter for other companies but I'd never actually thought about doing it for myself because I didn't 
really think that I was capable. So long story short, it was Selena that was like, why don't you just do this as a job? <laughs> and so that was kind of a moment of inspiration that inspired this more yeah, recent phase of my life in the last couple of years. I tell you, I, we need more of those friends in our lives, right? You know, the ones that can see through the things that we can't see, even when they're right in front of us, right? And I absolutely love that she saw that and pulled that out in you because this is what you do like better than anyone I've ever met ever more. It's, you know, I really do appreciate it. The stories that you are able to help bring out of people and then put into your books. I know you're an author as well. So we are going to get into that. You had so many things, so many things to share. Um, first, I do. What, I have all the, all of the things, all the things. <laughs> My favorite hashtag is hashtag all the feels. You know, yeah. I'm going to add all the things to it too. Hashtag all the things and hashtag all the feels. <laughs> I'm that, I'm that. I would be a hashtag lady doing all of the things. <laughs> That's me. Absolutely. I think I could describe to that one as well, for sure. You said that you had this momentous feeling at the age of 10, you know, and that was so significant for you. And you can even picture it. You said you were on the bed, you know, and just having this, this thought. And I loved that you can remember such a powerful, impactful early memory. And your story is so impactful, but, you know, a lot of people have that story as well. You know, violence in the home, it's a really challenging thing to deal with. And then at such a young age to even understand what's happening. And when you come all the way to you becoming a young adult to an adult, to having your own family as well, that aspect of you know, how those um, traumas or different things that happened to you impact your mental health all the way to you, to, to you as an adult. So how did you make it through just on that particular um, aspect of, of, you know, becoming you today? Oh, man, do you have like two hours? <laughs> it's a like I, oh, I was doing an event the other day and I was trying to kind of summarize this and it's it's always tricky. But, you know, it was a long journey and I would say that I really had to hit my rock bottom mm. um, before I could work out how I was actually going to rise out of this. And I think that's a very similar situation for a lot of people. So, you know, my teenage years were incredibly difficult trying to deal with uh, the, you know, the emotional, mental and verbal abuse from my dad. And like you were saying, as a kid, you know, you don't really, especially like, you know, this back in the nineties, I didn't understand what was actually going on in mm -hmm. our home. I didn't understand that I had, chronic depression and severe anxiety. I didn't get any of that mm -hmm. uh, until, you know, much later in life. So it really was kind of just a treading water scenario for many years. There was, you know, a lot of suicidality there. Mm -hmm. um, my dad actually ended up taking his life when I was 18, shortly after I finished school, which mm -hmm. is another major layer of trauma. Mm -hmm. And I very open about the fact that it was really like the hardest part of that for me was having people come up to me and say, oh, I'm so sorry for your loss. You must be devastated, you know. And as an 18 year old, not wanting to tell them or having to hide how I really felt, which was devastated that my dad had done that because I never wanted him to, to disappear in that way. Sure. But mm -hmm. not being able to be open and say, well, 
I feel relief for the first time mm-hmm. in eight years. Mm-hmm. It's a dueling, it's a dueling conflict that can, that can happen inside of moments like that, where you have very complicated relationships, very complex dynamics within. Yeah, people. it was very complex. And especially mm-hmm. as an 18 year old, and you don't want to, <laughs> you don't want to open up to your friends and say, this is a horrible thing that I never, I wish never happened in this way. But for years, all I, I all I have wanted is for him to disappear, you know, just to, to leave, mm-hmm. to leave us alone so that we could live with peace and like live free from this, this violence and abuse. Mm-hmm. And so that was like a, that was a, another major trauma. And so I had to, you know, suppress a lot of that. And I went out and made a whole bunch of, you know, bad life decisions after that. <laughs> like many girls that uh, grow up with dysfunctional, um, you know, in dysfunctional homes with fathers who are not the the role models that they need. You know, I made poor choices when it came to mm-hmm. um, men that I was choosing to date and that led to all kinds of other kind of traumas. And basically I, I landed at this place just before I was, age 21 of being in yeah my real rock bottom like it was a true rock bottom moment where I just went I can't keep living this way Um, something has to change like I can't I'm Mm -hmm. so sick of feeling like Mm -hmm. bad luck just comes to me all the time and I'm so sick of everything always going wrong and always being hurt and always finding myself in the same situations with guys over and over. And I just couldn't understand it. But yeah, I had to make this decision that even though I still maybe didn't believe that I was a worthy human and a worthy of love, I did know that I didn't want to keep experiencing these things that I was experiencing. And so I had to start being more mindful of what kinds of guys I was hanging out with Mm -hmm. and what decisions I was making about alcohol and how much I drank. And so that was a, it was a slow progression over time. Thankfully I went into a a really great healthy relationship after that, that lasted for three and a half years. And so that really, really hit me, sorry, really helped me hit the reset button on being able to trust again. Mm. So that was a journey in itself. But I think, you know, that initial, the rock bottom moment and then that relationship helped me to, um, and the courage to, you know, start making better decisions helped me to begin recreating my life and sort of moving in an upward direction um, until, you know, fast forward many, many years, I was in a place where I was truly thriving and now business owner and doing things that I truly love doing that even a decade ago, I didn't, I didn't think was possible and didn't believe I was capable of. So healing is a ever evolving journey, (laughs) Um, many twists and turns. And, you know, there's, there's still, still down days and all those moments, but it's just part of life. Right. Right. And I think a lot of people forget that when we are going through these different things, as we are growing up, as we are experiencing life in connection and interaction with other people that we cannot control, and we're having lots of things of life happen to us, and we are just, you know, going on and doing our best, we all have those experiences of how we manage, how we handle. So family out there, if any of Jazz's story is 
you know, kind of similar to your own. If, it, if there are some things in there that you felt connected to, I just want you guys to know that it's so important, the fact that you've been through those processes of understanding, you know, what was going on, what was happening, giving yourself grace, and then um, coming to this point where you're really paying attention to the experience of going through tough times and then how you manage it now and being respectful of your mental health, being respectful of your self-awareness. And I love Jazz, how you were saying that um, you really started noticing that in your relationships and you started to really pay attention with that and your decisions. That is a very big one. Um, And it's harder. And sometimes it takes people longer. So family, whether you do it inside of the, you know, process of one particular life phase, or it takes you two or three, it's still a process that's worth the introspection. It's still a process of being um, very respectful of, you know, who you are and who you're becoming. And I just want to, you know, share that if that's you, if you're going through that right now, you know, keep going, keep looking. And this is where you seek therapy. This is where you are looking for supports and resources. So really glad that you had that for yourself, Jazz. And um, just kind of switching gears is because you made this momentum from who you were, who, what you experienced as a young child and who you were as a teenager, right? And how you <laughs> put yourself in this new place. You said that you um, fast forward and you were a business owner, right? And you were doing such amazing things. So please tell us more about your business just so we can kind of know what you do a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I have pretty much combined a lot of the work that I was doing over the past decade with advocacy around issues like domestic violence and child abuse and things like that, combined it with my um, my love and my degree in uh, creative writing, mm-hmm. psychology, brought those all together and now work as a memoir book coach, uh, or as I like to say, you know, life story book coach. I so I that. work with people, thanks. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's plenty of book coaches out there who do fiction books or self-help books, but what I primarily do is help people that have a goal of using and a dream of using their life story to create global change and to grow their their own brand and really attract those clients who are going to really resonate with their story and want to know more about what their, what their message is. And I help them to create their own, you know, write their memoir or write their personal development book, or just write their brand story, you know, as well. Some people, they're not looking to write a book right now, but they want Mm -hmm. to get their story out there in some capacity so that they can do all of these things that I just mentioned. And then I also work as a resilient speaker. So again, it's about storytelling and just using the power of stories to really help people just live with purpose and, and live their, you know, I don't want to sound cliche, but truly live their <laughs> best life, you know, Absolutely. Um, live with purpose and break through trauma and just find who it is that they were really born to be. Mm-hmm. Well, Jazz, the reason why I felt so connected with you is because these aren't just stories about, you know, the latest fashion trends of somebody or, you know, <laughs> some big event. You pick people who have stories that are impactful and powerful and really mm. speak to humanity, really speak to reminding everyone that you're not alone, you know, and whenever they share about what they went through and, and how they overcame or 
moments of triumph, moments of victory. And those are the stories that you project forward. And you have a new book. I really wanted to share your books so that people can understand what I'm talking about. (laughs) You know, when you put these stories together and they're they're so impactful. So please tell the family about your books and especially the one that's coming out like just about Yes, like literally arriving today. So excited. Um, Yeah, so the real (laughs) snapshot of the whole book journey is a couple of years ago, I I created this book series called Reasons to Live One More Day Every Day. Mm -hmm. And that was born out of my experience of, you know, losing a, a family member to suicide and going through mental health challenges myself, surviving um, abuse and assault and things like that. And just really wanting to bring together other stories from people around the world, not victim stories, but stories of hope, you know, people who had actually triumphed over these adversities, or maybe they still live with some of the impacts of trauma, but they see their, they see the gifts within their adversities and their traumas. And they use those gifts to, to create stepping stones for other people who are on their journey so that they can rise up as well. Um, And every book in this series, so there's been two books so far, and the third one has just launched, the third and and final volume. Uh, But every final volume. Say it ain't so. (laughs) The final volume. Yeah, it's the the final volume. It's um, so much work to go into these books, and I feel... Three is a good, you know, a trilogy is a good way to sort of end things. But yeah, every book has 10 stories of hope and courage and triumph over adversity from people around the world. And um, the second and third books are particularly my favorites because they've also got some really great resources in there as well. Um, you know, interviews with experts around the world. Volume three includes yourself, <laughs> includes the lovely April. and. Um, yeah, like a, a little snippet of the amazing work that you're doing in the world, um, which is part of my, I think it's part of my section called um, Good People Doing Good Things. Oh, I love so that. So I like fun. to, yeah, so with the stories, you know, every book has 10 lived experience stories of mm-hmm. you know, hope and, and triumph over adversity, but I also wanted to pair that with not only professional resources from Lifeline, but to also really highlight and uplift those people in our community who are you know they don't see themselves as celebrities and they're not getting paid the big bucks that you know the really big organizations are getting paid for mental health support but I've seen some of these you know not-for-profits and advocates doing you know I don't want to sound rude, but I have seen them doing more work than some particular people I know in the big organizations. I've seen mm-hmm. them doing it with more heart and more passion because they have lived this. It's not just a job that they applied for to get a great salary. And I'm not saying that everybody in every great big organization does that, but you know, I've seen a quick example. Years ago, I was helping a passionate suicide prevention advocate with putting on a um, screening of Kevin Hines' documentary, Suicide, the Ripple Effect. Mm -hmm. And she had reached out to a staff member at a very well-known mental health organization, asked them if they'd like to come along on the night, support the event. And they emailed her back and said, I cannot think of anything I would less rather do with my Tuesday night. And then they went on wow. and on and said, I would rather be playing my guitar, or going and playing soccer. 
I want to do anything other than watch a film about suicide. <laughs> wow. And we were just flawed and we were like, okay, mm-hmm. bad day maybe. Mm-hmm. That person may be taking on a little bit too much trauma <laughs> in their job. But mm-hmm. we've seen this over and over with many um, big orgs kind of, yeah, it not, not only not supporting the sort of grassroots organisations, but kind of like seeing themselves as competitors and trying to take people away from supporting them because they don't want to lose their supporters. And it could be different everywhere. I mean, I'm just speaking about here in Australia, what I've seen, but this is so a big part of why I wanted mm-hmm. my books to really highlight not only the major organizations that we know are there to support us 24 seven, but also the, the, good people who are doing great, amazing things around the world and getting paid either nothing or getting paid, you know, a very small salary because they're doing their part to, doing to create work. change. Right, right. So that's what I love most about the books. They're a holistic combination of lived experience stories, professional resources, um, you know, experts in this field and just advocates as well. So family. So I'm going to, uh, the show notes will definitely have a link to purchasing the book from jazz. And, um, I highly, highly encourage them. Um, and now that we have been so lucky that it is now volume three, we can binge one, two, and three. So I'm really excited about that. That's very and true. if you could, yeah, yeah. If you could share with the family, it's like, do you have a particularly favorite story that you highlighted? Oh Twins. yeah. I always have. I, it's always so hard to um, pin it down, but I will say from this final volume, this is a little sneak peek for everyone. Very blessed to actually have my mum's story in this third volume. And so I felt like it would be a really powerful way to end the series by, you know, it's been a big thing for her to watch me sort of talk very publicly about our family life over the years. And I can't imagine what right. that's, you know, the courage that takes. Um with stigma as well around mental health and what will people think of me and all those things. But she's actually sharing her story for the first time of, um, you know, some things that she went through growing up, but then also what it's like to lose a partner to suicide. Mm -hmm. So I really wanted to have that bereaved perspective of, you know, we talk a lot about um, people who are lost to suicide, but we don't often hear from those who are left behind and what, what it takes to pick up the pieces. And as my mom says that, her, you know, for many, many years, she just felt dull. She just felt like she had no spark, no sense of humor. Like she just felt really dull to the world, but there's a quote from her that I love. And that's, um, you know, losing a loved one to suicide is unimaginably hard. Like it's unimaginably difficult, but you know, it doesn't have to be a life sentence. Mm. No, there is joy waiting to be found in, in, you know, many moments of our every day, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, and so it's really special to have her story in there, but then uh, another story from this, this newest volume that I really love, and it kind of ties in with the parallel is from a first responder here in Australia. Um, and there are stories from around the world, but I, right, you know, right. these are just two of the Australian ones. Mm-hmm. Um, a male first responder, so ex-police officer who suffered really bad PTSD from the things that he was experiencing and witnessing from the age of 21 on the job. Uh, You know, we don't often think about what it's like for our police, um, our police officers and our first responders because 
if we were to experience these things, people would be like, oh my gosh, are you okay? Like, this is so traumatic. But when he was saying, when you're a um, serving, you know, member of the community, like you're a police officer or um, a defense member, people just think, oh, well, you're trained to deal with this. Right. You're used to, mm-hmm. Yeah. You're used to going to murders every day or mm-hmm. this and that. Um, and so he talks about what happened to him that led to him developing severe PTSD and how he actually lost his job, ended up with a criminal conviction. And I won't tell any more because I'll spoil the story, but how he rose above all of that to, to recreate um, a new life for himself and a new phase going forward where he's now helping people who were in the same situation that he once was. Um, so I, I really loved having his story in the book because it was a parallel with my mum's where, you know, she can speak about what it was like to lose a loved one to suicide and be the first one there, you know, to come across your partner. And he can speak from the perspective of what it's like being one of those people who would have come to our house on that day to respond. Um, And while everyone was around my mum to support her, Mm -hmm. when he was in those similar situations, he you know, people weren't asking how he was. He was just there to respond. And yeah, so I thought Mm -hmm. it would be a brilliant parallel to show those two perspectives of of the part, how somebody has to grieve and deal with that as a a love, someone losing a loved one and then somebody who is on the job dealing with this every day. So those are like some of the, Um, yeah, really amazing perspectives that are shared throughout the book. I can't wait to to read it. I can't wait to read number three. It's really exciting. And there was something that you had shared earlier that I wanted to commend you again. You were talking about, well, actually two things. When you are honoring everyone's stories, they don't have to be celebrities. But the thing is, is that the story is still that special, <laughs> you know, mm. it's still that meaningful. It's still that brilliant to put out into the world, even though if it's just you as your everyday. And family, I want to remind this to you that, you know, even though you are an everyday person, or maybe you are just super special, either one, either one, any, any in between family, but your story is brilliant. And it's, it's so important to take time to consider what's happened to you, to take time to be really about what's happened or to just share, share it forward. You know, if you're talking to a friend or sharing it with a therapist, or even if it comes out in a memoir, right? It's meaningful. It can have a lot of impact. And you said something else that I really loved. And you said it was about how it connected back to finding hope again, right? Mm. Finding that spark, like your, like your mom had said. So I wanted to share that with the family as well, that that Mm. mental health journey, that's what, that's where, you know, it's working. That's where, you know, that you're, you're doing the work. It's connecting you back to that light and that hope. And I am so sorry to interrupt, but I thought of something as you were sharing that when you were saying that it's important for people to understand that there's power in their stories and they don't have to be a celebrity. And a perfect example of that is that this morning, just before, you know, we jumped on this podcast, I got a message from this guy, Matt Newlands, who was the police ex police officer I was just telling you about. And he said, um, okay. He was like, Matt was like, Oh, I just got this message. This is such a nice way to wake up. And he showed me this message that he got off over Facebook from someone that said, basically, um, Hey Matt, um, my name's, you know, such and such. I met you a couple of years ago. Um, 
at this particular place. I've always been really inspired by your story ever since. And I've actually just picked up um, a copy of Jazz Rollinson's new book. And I'm so excited to read your full story. I just can't tell you how much <laughs> you've, you know, impacted my life. And I was wow. like, wow, that's, that's so beautiful. I mean, I've seen that many, many times with the, all three of the books mm-hmm. and many of my clients and, and co-authors getting these kinds of messages. But yeah, I just wanted to share that quickly to remind people that, yeah, the, the real power that people that comes from, you know, this book series or people sharing their stories and writing their books or even just sharing with a friend, it's not that you're a celebrity. <laughs> it's that you've got some, there's something in your story that resonates with someone else and can be an aha moment for them or part of their own mm-hmm. healing journey. And that's mm-hmm. all that people care about. They don't care who is sharing this story that has this resonating, you know, theme within it. They just want that message. Right. Right. And it's, it's impactful because once again, it reminds people that we are not alone in our experiences and our feelings in all these other things. And that's what is so powerful. And again, super excited (laughs) for it. Congrats again for your new book release. So that is really special, understanding how the message of mental health and wellness shows up so many times in your work and what you do. And then also, I remember that you said that you had worked really hard inside of your community. A memorial popped up as well over in Brisbane. Can you share a little bit about that? I just wanted to let the family know because it was so um, very, very, very stellar. Thank you. Yeah, it was a couple of years before I or a little bit before I started the book series and really just came about because a friend and I were really moved to do something in our community around a whole, you know, we, we'd had, there was like a whole lot of uh, domestic violence that had happened in a very short space of time. And a lot of women and children have been lost in a very short space of time in our community here in Brisbane or in you know, this kind of area. And Whenever things like that happen, you know, there's often a like something like a red rose rally or a candle lighting. And those are all important because they bring together community. But I said, like Bonnie and I were talking about it and I said, oh, I just I just don't want it to be another, you know, you light a candle and we all go away and it's forgotten about because we've just lost, you know, several women in the space of a couple of weeks Um, and I just feel like it would be great if we could find a way to create something a bit more permanent. And so we talked about doing a candle lighting and then I said, what if we created a permanent memorial of some kind, you know, something that has like a lovely garden around it and people can see this as a nice space to come and sit and reflect and honor their loved ones, you know, as opposed to only having a cemetery to go to, or maybe because if we could put it in a, in the city or somewhere where there's a lot of people going by it every day, they might sit down there and see the memorial and just reflect about what they can do to be part of, you know, this, this community effort to, to reduce, you know, family and domestic violence in our communities. And so we, yeah, we, we put together a fundraiser and we put on an event and we created this um, permanent memorial and it's inscribed with the words, um, no more violence, no more silence. 
and we had that opened by our Lord Mayor here in, in 2016 and we actually had a couple of women from our community who had lost their daughters to domestic homicide who came and spoke at the event or attended. Uh, one of those women uh, is a woman by the name of Sonia Anderson and her story is actually featured in volume one of Reasons to Live. And, you know, it's a hard read, but I think it's so important for people to know that you can go through what is considered probably the most traumatic and, <clears throat> you know, the, the biggest life sentence that any parent could ever go through of not only losing a child, but having your child murdered. Because as Sonia says, you know, when a child dies of natural causes or something like that, there's, there's some sort of closure. But when your child is taken from you in this way, it's the start of a whole new chapter because, you know, you're seeking justice and there's everything that comes with it. But her story is so important because it shows what the journey through grief is and, you know, that, that grief that obviously never leaves, but you can still create a life of, of purpose and a life that is filled with joy and hope even though, you know, every day she obviously still loves and misses her daughter dearly. But it's a very powerful story of, of finding yourself again and finding your reasons to live and also thriving, even amidst, you know, that, that grief and loss that is always a part of you. So that was a really big, um, it was a really special part of opening this memorial was having people like Sonia there to share and having, um, yeah, other women there who'd lost, lost family members as well in that way. Um, and we had men who were there to share their stories as well. It was, I, I wanted to make sure that the memorial was dedicate, dedicated to victims of domestic violence and their families, and that's right. not centred just around women. So, we, you know, we talked about the loss of we had transgender people in our community that were lost to DV and, um, you know, men and women and mm -hmm. yeah it's 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 a beautiful thing that you did you know to figure out that um you know just helping the community have a place to not only mourn but to reflect and and work really hard to never have this happen again and i just thought that was absolutely lovely uh, a lovely part of your your story um thank you for sharing and see family, this, this woman, she's, she's amazing. You see, you see why she's on the show, right? So, um, <laughs> absolutely. And just as we're wrapping up, I wanted to check in any particular advice that you would have, you know, uh, mental health wellness advice that you would give to the family. We are all ears. Anything from you? Yeah, I was having a think about this before and I think one thing that's been helpful for me in the last few years is just uh, particularly for creatives and for people who have a running or starting a business is just understanding that it's firstly, it's okay and it's completely normal for things to take time and even many years or even a decade to get to mm -hmm. the big goal that you have. Yes. Um, it's obviously important to keep consistently working towards that but one thing I just really detest about entrepreneurial culture is when we see these people standing in front of their their BMWs or their fancy cars and their houses and they make out like uh 
you know, all of this was achieved very easily in a matter of months or weeks. And maybe, maybe it was, maybe they were really lucky, but I think it's important for people to know that it's actually very normal for most people to spend, you know, seven to 10 years to really achieve the level of success that they want to get to. Mm -hmm. And the other part of that, that took me a long time to understand is that uh, it's okay not to be superwoman or superman. You know, <laughs> you don't have to yes. achieve all of the things at once. Right. It's important to celebrate the season that you're in. And if you are a parent like myself, you know, I have a almost four-year-old and he mm-hmm. only started going to daycare, you know, two days a week, um, not even a year ago. So it's only in the last maybe six months or so, eight months or so that I've actually had time to really take on um, more clients and start making more, you know, a consistent income. Mm -hmm. And for a long time before that, I was just beating myself up going, how come I'm not at six figures yet? Or how come, you know, I'm only making this much or how come this person is achieving all this amazing media success and I'm not. And I got to a point where I finally realized, well, When you have a child at home with you 24-7 and you can only work during their nap times, Mm -hmm. (laughs) firstly, you're going to burn yourself out if you're trying to do all the things, which is what I did. (laughs) But secondly, it's not not possible for you to achieve all of the things um, at the capacity you want if you're not in a season of life that supports that. Mm -hmm. So it's just important to have compassion for yourself and understand what season of life you're in. Mm-hmm. and understand that it's okay for it to take time right exactly so yes family honor and respect and give yourself grace for the season that you're in give yourself um you know grace also for the small victories the small steps that you make and just keep striving you know like um uh, you know alicia keys and Katy Perry, Stevie Wonder, all of them were not overnight successes. And I'm, I'm talking about singers and celebrities, but even just to, you know, somebody becoming a nurse or a teacher, um, graduating from college, anything like that, um, or even becoming like uh, you were saying with, with a, you know, civil servants, you know, being a police officer or, or yeah, that's um, such a great example. first responder. Like, mm-hmm. We don't yeah. expect them to be, we don't expect someone to be leading a case as a head detective in like six months right <laughs> we don't exactly expect our nurses <laughs> to be on the front lines you know right. like in a couple of weeks or in a year yeah exactly. most of these even our psychologists you know we know and that's one reason I didn't take my psychology degree the whole way was that <laughs> after I did my um major in it I realized after four years that if I really wanted to practice it was going to be pretty much a 10-year journey another four years right (laughs) yeah by the time you do all the things and your prac and um all all of it I was like Mm -hmm. 10 years I ain't got time for that Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) well if you ever do welcome you into the fold for sure yeah yeah. completely understand 100 (laughs) percent 
Um, we so love that you were here and just let you know, she works with artists and leaders and entrepreneurs, but also everyday people who have amazing stories that they'd like to share. So find jazz. She's an amazing memoir coach, but she's also a wonderful author and has such beautiful stories inside of reasons to live volumes one, two, and three. And we're going to just check in with you a last time and just figuring out where can we connect with you online? Yeah, so people can jump on jazzrawlinson.com. That's jazz with a, J- a S-J-A-S. Um, yeah, jump on there. Head to the book coaching page if you want to know more about, yeah, how to work with me to get that story out of your head and into a book that's going to create the change and the impact that you want to see in the world. Uh, and if you're online, it's just Jazz Rawlinson. You'll be able to find me easily on Instagram or on Facebook. And yeah, I would love to connect with you there. Wonderful. And quick thing, just curious, more just a little bit about you is, um, oh, Mac or PC? Oh, definitely PC at the moment, but I'm very fed up with my PC. So that may go to a Mac sometime (laughs) in the future. Books or podcasts? Mm, Probably books. Uh, What's your favorite Starbucks order? Boring answer is I don't actually go to Starbucks, um, but when I did go to Starbucks many, many years ago when I was overseas, uh, my order was a, a matcha latte on soy. Mm. And what is something that's moved you recently? Oh, I was doing a speaking presentation the other night about an hour away from where I live. And I mentioned it to someone that was there. I said, oh, I've come up from Brisbane. And she said, yeah, me too. Um, I drove all the way from like the south side of Brisbane because I really wanted to hear you speak. And I was just so moved that this woman had driven an hour and a half or close to two hours to come and hear me speak, which was really amazing. I love that. That's beautiful. And then final thing for the family, we always ask, what's your favorite quote? Oh, yes. I wrote this down because I really didn't want to miss it. So um, it's from Anne Lamott, but it's, uh, you know, I decided that the most um, subversive revolutionary thing I could do was show up for my life and not be ashamed. Hmm. Jazz, we thank you so much for being here and for those words and for all the other shares that you offered. We can't wait to read the books and support you there. And then, you know, we're all supporting each other when we're reading such beautiful stories about life and the human experience. You know, we connect to them and then hopefully it connects back to them. And it's a beautiful cycle that we have over and over again. So we hope many well wishes for you. We will keep in touch for sure. And um, yeah, all, all the best. And we are staying tuned for sure. Thank you so much, April. It's such a, such a beautiful space that you've got here. And I've really, yeah, it's been really lovely to open up and share with you. So thank you very much. Thank you. All right, family. So we have got this wonderful, wonderful woman to pay attention to out into the world. And in the meantime, remember the lessons, you know, we, we understand that there's so much in life that can take us in different paths, can bring in new aspects of our health and our wellness. But along those lines, we can always connect with others and their stories and hopefully it inspires us to share our own.
I hope you enjoyed today's episode of Do I Need Therapy? If you did, please tell a friend and don't forget to subscribe and leave a review on Apple Podcasts or wherever you're tuned in. If you're always on Instagram like myself, come check out my page. I've got lots of tips and tricks on life and mental wellness. Ask me your questions. Plus, tell me what's on your mind, even if you need to figure out if you need therapy. And for my Facebookers and all my Twitter peeps and my Pinterest pinners, I'm online there too. In fact, I'm everywhere at April and Dell. Meantime, I can't wait to chat with you again on the next episode. So, till then, peace, love, and mental wellness.